0: Hello and welcome to the Noob Investing Podcast, Episode 7, FIRE. I'm your host, Jaron, and today I'm going to go over the Financial Independence Retire Early Movement, or FIRE Movement, and talk about these people who supposedly retire as early as age 30. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, or simply have never heard of it, it's basically a movement in which the people aspiring to become FIRE use a combination of spending less, saving more, and investing to reach a point in which either they are financially independent or they are able to retire early, or both. This movement advocates for people getting a better grip on their finances and simply being more intentional with their money, and based on your needs, goals, and life circumstances, you can achieve FIRE. In some cases, there are people who report that they achieved FIRE as early as age 30, which is Really insane to think about anyone retiring when they are just 30 years old, but apparently it can happen. But before I get into more specifics regarding the FIRE movement, first, a disclaimer. Once again, dear listeners, I feel compelled to tell you that I am not a financial advisor and this podcast, if you couldn't tell based on the name, doesn't provide any financial advice whatsoever. I am a noob investor and if you decide to take anything I say on this cast as financial advice, then that's on you. This podcast is meant purely for entertainment purposes and educational purposes only, so keep that in mind. Everything mentioned on this podcast is purely my opinion and views and should not under any circumstance be taken as financial advice. As I have said numerous times, I'm still in the process of learning about investing and I'll be the first to admit that I know pretty much nothing before I start researching for the podcast and what I learn, I try to share with you because I know that there are many people like me who are thinking about investing or have just started and have so many questions that aren't being answered. So, with that bit of PSA out of the way, let's get started. episode I'll be talking about what the fire movement is, why people try to achieve it, how does one become fire, who is it for, and then I will talk about what my own personal nuance take on the fire, fire movement is. So what is the fire movement? As I said at the start, the fire movement centers around the idea that you don't need to work until you reach the legal retirement age, but instead through spending less, saving more, and investing, you can potentially retire much earlier than you otherwise would. Now, if you've listened to past episodes of this cast, then you might remember me saying I would like to retire earlier as well, maybe between the ages of 50 and 60 years old. This is not to say that I hate my job and don't want to continue working in the future, but it's more about having the option to do so should I want to in the future. I think the thing many people who first hear about the FIRE movement think about the people who manage it is that either they are rich to begin with, in which case it was easy for them to do it, or they think that the people who achieve FIRE are sacrificing so much in order to retire early and end up living in poverty-like conditions. The fact is, neither of those is true, or at the very least, it's not that simple. Like most things in life, there is a lot of nuance and complexity it's easier for people to imagine that the only way anyone else can achieve something they couldn't or didn't was because they had unfair advantages, or that they must have sacrificed so much and must feel miserable now on the other side. Sort of like the notion of the angry Scrooge. Yes, they are rich, but they don't have real friends and are miserable, right? Being rich must come at some cost, otherwise everyone could and would do it, right? I'm not gonna lie, Up until a couple of years ago, I was one of these people who looked at rich and wealthy people through these lenses, and I was wrong. Again, I'm from a country where investing was not something most people did or even knew about, so the only way they could rationalize why some people had money and and they didn't was through the lens of cash flows from salary and savings. Basically, the rich just made a lot of money and hoarded a lot of it because there's no other way they could get rich in the poor people's minds this of course meant that rich people were greedy and corrupt and egocentric and that money was a bad thing and having little money was good because that meant you appreciated the things in life that money can't buy and you know you weren't greedy then to probably anyone listening to this podcast and trying to learn how to invest you already know that this is not the case you don't become rich and wealthy through simply saving a lot of money You need to invest that money, and there is nothing greedy or egocentric from, you know, the desire or want to afford the life that you want. Real question though, uh, listeners, do you know how much money you would need to retire right now? Like, how much money would you realistically need to afford the life that you want to live, or you'd be comfortable living for the rest of your life? I'm not talking about just naming some arbitrarily large number for the sake of being rich, but realistically, how much money would you need to cover your debts, your monthly expenses, and what are the things that you value in life. Now might be a good time to pause the podcast and think a bit on that if you haven't before. Maybe take a few seconds or minutes even if needed to really think how your realistic ideal lifestyle looks like and costs. Once you've done that, I'll be continuing in with the cast. So yeah, for the average person, they can't really give a realistic answer to this question of how much their ideal life will cost or how much they would need to retire because they have zero grasp on their finances, what their lifestyle costs, and what are the things that they really want to spend money on, or that investing can help and based on these things, how much it would really cost to be able to retire by a certain age. However, to anyone who is curious about this, I hope with this episode I can help shed some light on this. Let's first tackle the main reasons people want to pursue fire. Well, I think the main reason is sort of in already indicated in the name. You want to be able to retire early. I know I want that option at least. But beyond that, also in the name is the idea of becoming financially independent. And what that means is that you are free to do the things that really mean something or that you aren't monetarily incentivized to do, like, say, join a non and help people. Basically, the financial independence aspect just affords you the freedom to do other things like humanitarian work, which obviously doesn't pay, or pursue your hobbies or interests full-time, or focus on raising your family, or, or whatever else you'd rather be doing without the pressure to have to earn a salary for it in order to live. Probably one of the biggest misconceptions here for people is that once people achieve fire, life must be so boring because you have nothing to do, right? All the fire people just do is sit around on beaches and chill, right? Well, while I'm sure there are some people who might be doing that, I doubt the vast majority of fire aspirants, let's say, or uh, people aspiring to become fire, uh, do that. Realistically, these people simply eliminate the hours spent working for a salary in order to spend more time on hobbies, interests, maybe side hustles that may require some time before they become income-generating, say like, I don't know, a profitable YouTube channel or something like that, or maybe they just want some time for their hobbies and interests, and what's wrong with that, right? If you can retire early by making fiscally responsible decisions in order to follow your heart and pursue your interests and passions, then by all means, just do your thing. At least that's what I think. So, now that we have addressed why people would like to become FIRE, let's talk about how they can go about doing it. I sort of very quickly touched on this in the intro already, and that is through the combination of spending less, saving more, and investing. That's pretty much it, really. Obviously, the devil is in the details, but that's the high level overview of how you can become fire. Somehow, spending less of your income on things like a fourth winter coat or going out for dinner or ordering in and instead allocating that money towards becoming fire will help you become fire. Who knew? In addition, through spending less, you save more. Spending less and saving money contribute to towards the idea of paying yourself first. It basically just means that whenever your salary comes in, you allocate some of that money to your savings or investments instead of just spending the money buying random stuff that doesn't really, you know, benefit you in some way in the long run. Speaking of investments though, investing is one of the three fundamental aspects in order to achieve FIRE. The first two, namely spending less and saving more, allow you to have enough money left over in order to invest. In case I need to explain why investing is absolutely necessary for achieving FIRE, well then, here goes. Say you decide that you needed 1 million euros or 1 million dollars in order to achieve FIRE, and you manage to save 1,000 dollars or euros every month from your salary. At that rate, it will take you 1,000 months or more than 83 years to achieve 1 million euros or dollar. However, if you invest 12,000 euros or dollars every year, so 12 times 1,000, and assuming a 7% compounded interest on your investment, then you can achieve over 1 million dollars or euros in 30 years and not 83. Basically, investing is what makes the FIRE movement possible. If you don't invest, you can never become FIRE. It's just that simple. Now, I say it's just that simple, but obviously, that's just a high-level view of it. Everyone knows they should eat healthy and exercise, but not everyone does or even knows where to begin. And much like wellness and fitness scams, there are definitely ways in which you can mess yourself up if you aren't well-informed regarding investing and investments in general. In addition to spending less, saving more, and investing, you also technically have the option to try and earn more money. Obviously, not everyone has the option in their career that allows them to get promoted with a pay raise. However, if you do, it can certainly help with achieving FIRE sooner, uh, as you can save more, spend less, and invest more. Of course, this does come with the caveat that you don't fall for the trap of lifestyle inflation, as you start earning more. That would defeat the point of earning more, since you won't save and invest more, but rather spend more. So, don't fall for lifestyle inflation. In any case, that was the high-level tactic in order to achieve fire. Now, let's dive into the nitty-gritty a little bit more and figure out how does one actually become fire. So, there are some different things people do and it will obviously depend on your own personal circumstances, but for today's episode, I will be focusing on the overarching uh, method. The first big method is called the 4% rule. And there are variations of this that are more conservative and variations that are more aggressive, but the main one that it all started with is the 4% rule. The 4% rule is the method you can use to invest and withdraw money from your investments in order to keep living off your investments indefinitely. It works as follows. When you decide to become FIRE, you optimize your finances in such a way that you reduce your spending, you save some more money, and you invest that money, as much as you are okay with, of course. You can then determine how much your current lifestyle costs for a year, and from there you can sort of multiply that uh, yearly cost by 25, and that will give you the total amount of net worth, if you will, that you will need to achieve in order to become FIRE. So once you achieve that number, what you do is you can take off 4% of your investments per year to use to live off. The reason you can do this is because assuming you invest in an ETF that returns 7% a year on average, then even though you remove 4% of your investments, your investment on average will still be growing year over year by 3%. Of course, you also need to factor in inflation, which is usually around 2%. So from the 7% at the beginning, you minus 2% inflation and you take 4% for living expenses and you are left with a 1% increase in your investments every year. And by applying this method, since your investment stays ahead of inflation and keeps growing, you should be able to live off it for the rest of your life, at least theoretically. So, of course, if this is the first time you're hearing about this method, you might be a bit skeptical of it, and I think rightfully so at least, but in practice, it has worked for many people, at least that's the impression I get from the FIRE community at least. The 4% rule isn't just a rule made out of thin air, but based on a study which looked at historical stock market performance over years, and the 4% rule emerged as the safest withdrawal rate even during periods where the stock market was down. Now, I have to say, the 4% rule has gradually changed from a rule to more of a rule of thumb lately, since there has been new research suggesting that 3% or even less might actually be better as a withdrawal rate. In addition, switching to a lower withdrawal rate is a better strategy in order to protect yourself in case the stock market crashes in the very early stages or very early years that you retire early. Since if your portfolio takes a huge hit that early, but you still need to withdraw the same absolute amount of money from it, then it's no longer adhering to the 4% rule and that can have serious consequences much later on in your retirement. It's these reasons that if I were to try to obtain FIRE, I would generally be a bit more conservative with the withdrawal rate and the amount needed to achieve FIRE, but that's just my personal preference, at least. So that's the 4% rule of thumb, as I heard it described, and that just is the main tactic used to calculate your FI, or financial independence number, needed, and how much money you can withdraw every year once you do become FIRE. I think I'm going to leave the how-to-fire there for now, as there are other things that probably need to be discussed as well in case you live in the U.S., for example, and you have a Roth IRA or a 401k, but I don't live in the U.S., so I don't know exactly how that works, and I don't want to spread the nonsense about that since that seems very important to the people who do live in the U.S. I also don't really know what the situation is in the Netherlands regarding retiring early and pension plans. But in all honesty, while I do plan on digging a bit more into that, I'm basically just operating under the assumption that in 30 to 40 years, when I want or need to retire, there might not be a pension anymore. So I'm predominantly focusing on investing for myself and not really taking that into account. Basically, when I plan to retire, that pension will just sort of be the icing on the cake, uh, if you will, hopefully. So with that said, let's move on to the next topic. Who is FIRE for? Well, On paper, it's for everyone, but realistically, many people earn very little and struggle to get by every month. So, just saying to these people, yeah, it's easy, just save more, spend less, and invest isn't going to do it if you are in in massive debt and just barely getting by. So yeah, the FIRE movement, I don't think, is 100% accessible to everyone, but I think it at least provides a good framework for becoming more fiscally responsible. If you have some wiggle room in terms of your finances, then the fire movement can help you get a better grasp on your finances and help leverage tiny amounts over time into financial independence in the future. And even if many people may not really achieve fire, it certainly can't hurt if more people took some time to sort out their finances a bit better. I know for me personally it has helped me realize how much money I was essentially just bleeding out and where there were things I wasn't even using but still paying for. I think conservatively, I've saved at least 100 euros every month since deciding to dive deeper into my finances. You know, random subscriptions that I canceled, overpriced insurance, making home-cooked meals instead of ordering out or buying at a restaurant. All these things together added up to at least 100 to 150 euros in my case every month. And yeah, now I'm saving up that money, I can invest that money, I can buy the things that really matter to me instead. So yeah, just take some time to sort out your finances. And of course, it might be a bit daunting at first, But you might find that you suddenly have more money at the end of the month, and who doesn't want more money, am I right? So those were my main talking points regarding the the fire movement. I purposefully decided not to discuss the different types of fire labels that are out there like Coast Fire or Fat Fire, because they are just random labels people use as a shorthand for their specific version of fire, but the main evergreen content regarding the fire movement is here in this episode, I think. Now, I want to provide some nuance and some points, though, that I think people should pay more attention to, or at least consider in more detail before attempting to achieve FIRE, because it's possible that if you don't at least consider these early on, then you will dramatically impede your FIRE progress in the long run. The first thing that I worry about when people talk about the 4% rule is the assumptions that go into it, and that people tend to hold on to, that rule without really understanding that it really should be used more as a guideline rather than a steadfast rule. Obviously, everyone is free to do with their finances as they please. I would just argue that when you decide to fire and you decide after a certain point that you finally have enough money saved and invested to retire, it's important that you are right about that though. Because if you are wrong and find out after a few years of being retired. That you don't have enough money to last you the rest of your life, it's going to be much harder to get back into the workforce, especially if the employer just sees a huge gap in your CV. So I would just apply some caution and perhaps a bit more conservative, be a bit more conservative in your assumptions before you decide to retire. Additionally, regarding the assumption that go into the 4% rule, it basically factors in a 2% increase in inflation year over year, which for the longest time has been reasonable, has been true even. However, no one predicts, for example, a global pandemic, which now led to an increased inflation from 2% to 4.2% in the US. Increased inflation will certainly have an impact on your investment and withdrawal rate, and especially if it's early in your fire life and lasts for several years. I also think, and this is at least my impression, that many fire aspirants or people who aspire to achieve FIRE, don't really follow the stock market or give their investments sufficient focus, despite it being the biggest contributor to their ability to achieve FIRE. What I mean is that I got the impression that some people trying to achieve FIRE didn't really care how they were investing as long as they were investing. And while investing is obviously good, if your goal is to achieve FIRE as soon as possible, yet you invest using outdated investment advice, like Based on your age, you should have so much of your portfolio in stocks and bonds. Then I wonder what what are you really doing? I was listening to a podcast where the hosts who do a podcast about investing were talking to someone who was trying to achieve FIRE, and the hosts literally had to explain to this person that bonds aren't really a great investment, especially now since they are essentially providing negative returns over over the last couple of years. But the person had just been blindly following internet advice to have his portfolio in a certain way and only once a year bothered to check and rebalance his portfolio. And yeah, I mean, to each their own, I guess, but it just seemed to me and I guess the host that he was shooting himself in the financial foot by investing in individual bonds in his late 20s or early 30s. He probably might have been able to retire earlier than he would if he considered different strategies and at least dug a a bit deeper in terms of what what his options were in terms of investing, uh, instead of just sort of blindly following the X amount in stocks and bonds. So yeah, basically my main concerns regarding the FIRE movement are the initial assumptions one has to make, which are projected over 25 or more years uh, of life, which if they are off even by a bit, might drastically impact you at much later stage in your life. And people who don't bother to educate themselves about investing and also don't want to actively be involved in what happens with their investments, it's likely that they might make mistakes or be rational at some point or time during their entire investment career. And yeah, that could definitely have an impact on their overall life over the course of 25 or more years of retirement. But with the exception of these two things, I think the FIRE movement provides us with some great perspective on what is financially possible for us if we decide to be a bit more deliberate with our finances. I think everyone has certain assumptions, habits, or biases that we fall into over and over again that cloud our judgment about the important decisions that really matter in life, not because we do it on purpose, but because being deliberate all the time is exhausting. And to that, I would like to add a quote from a book I am reading right now called Thinking Fast and Slow, which was written by Daniel Kahneman, who won the 2002 Nobel Prize for his work on economic sciences, and it goes like this. Maintaining one's vigilance against biases is a chore, but the chance to avoid a costly mistake is sometimes worth the effort. So, to conclude, I would say we grow up in a society where most people believe that there is only one path that is proven to work, and that is you finish school, you get a job, you work until you are old, and then you retire. They believe this because this is what their parents did, their grandparents did, And that's what the majority of people do, so of course, to most people, it only seems logical that that would be the only way one can live their lives. However, if we always just live our lives on the default setting, we miss the possibilities that present themselves to improve, to achieve more, and to be different. We accept the mundane and mediocre because we decide that trying to achieve more or be better would be too risky or comes at too great a cost but yet we never even bothered to actually evaluate the risk or to look at the price tag of our ideal life. And with that, dear listeners, I would like to end the cast. I apologize if this more serious end note was a bit too serious and somber, but it really is something I feel strongly about and have been thinking about for a while regarding not only the fire movement, but many things in life. So, before I finish the cast, here are some references and links if you want to learn more about the fire movement. I would definitely recommend ChooseFI. They are a long-running podcast and website with blogs and a thriving community and many, many resources regarding fire. So if you want to hear different stories from different people and how they achieve fire and learn how you can can too, then ChooseFI has got you covered. In addition to that, I would recommend probably the most famous source for fire content, and that is Mr. Money Mustache. Interesting dude with great blogs about the fire movement. So, check that out. I think he's also one of the OGs when it comes to the fire to fire content. So, definitely give that a try. And yeah, for the rest, there are also the financial independence podcasts, one that is more US focused, just financial independence podcast, and one that is more European focused. You will be able to tell them apart based on the latter having Europe in the title, you know, financial independence Europe podcast. And that was it regarding the references for this episode. So, if you want to reach out to ask me something personal or you would like to ask a question on the cast, you can reach me at noob underscore investing at hotmail.com. In addition, if you want to join a thriving community of people eager to learn more about investing, well, that's probably not how I would describe my Facebook group as of yet. But if you still want to join this remote group of investors consisting of me, myself, and I, then go to the Noob Investors Facebook group and join now. So thanks again for listening, everyone, and talk to you soon again. Peace.